seen today, uh, really, you can hear in the words of Habakkuk. You can hear in this prophet of Habakkuk, and you notice in verse 1 of chapter 1, and he opens up here with this, these words, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. And that word burden isn't necessarily talking about something that's heavy upon his shoulders. That word burden means a prophetic utterance or an oracle. He is speaking for God. This is a prophecy that he is speaking. And it says, the burden of Habakkuk, uh, the, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now, as far as we can tell, Habakkuk might have been written somewhere between the time period of 605 and, nine, uh, and 598 B.C. We have, uh, there, there is some pretty good indication of timeline because we're going to see when the Chaldeans did come through this area. But at this point in time uh, that Habakkuk is writing, uh, Israel is uh, fully set on idolatry. They are fully away from God and they are in such a, 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 a deplorable situation here that this, this prophet Habakkuk is, is absolutely distressed in what he is seeing. And what we're noticing here in the book of Habakkuk is that there is a dialogue that he is going to have with God. It's, it's, they're going to go back and forth for a few chapters here between Habakkuk's questions and God is going to answer and Habakkuk is going to bring something else up and God is going to answer him until finally Habakkuk comes to a wonderful conclusion. But if you notice in verses 1 through 3, it says here, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, notice that word see there, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. You notice here in three places, look down again in verse 3, Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance, for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up, raise up strife and contention. And Habakkuk here is looking at the land that he is living in. He's looking at his nation, his home, and he's got weary eyes. He's tired of seeing what he is seeing going on. He said, he says, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold uh, grievance? The things that he has seen, he is tired of. He's tired of the condition of his nature, of his nation. He's tired of seeing the violence. He's tired of seeing the strife. He's tired of the, con of the, con of the contention and of the iniquity. Everything is murder. Everything is beatdowns on the road. Everything is arguing and debate and sin that is glorified. And I, I mean, you're kind of confused here. Am I talking about our nation or am I talking about Israel? Uh, sure, right? Right. Homosexuality is glorified today, is it not? This transgenderism thing is glorified. Uh, drugs and vice and alcohol is glorified in our society. The, the way people, uh, uh, the language and the things that come out of people's mouth and the way they speak, it's just glorified anymore and made fun of. It's amazing what we're watching going on in our nation and, and seeing all around us. Let me say this. You know, in the life of a believer, you know, foul language should never come out of our mouth, right? The Bible says our, our, our speech should be seasoned with salt. The Bible says that this is scary. Every idle word is going to be judged. 
right? There are things that should never come out of a believer's mouth. Uh, and I think beyond the cursing and the cussing, I'm amazed at what some people call themselves Christians, what they say. But one of the things that absolutely grates me to the core is when a supposed child of God will take God's name in vain and not think a thing about it. I am shocked and I see this more and more as time goes on. It should never happen. And, and see, Habakkuk is looking out at his nation and we can look out at our nation and realize when he's looking out at Israel, he's looking out at God's people. He's looking out at the, 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 the children of Abraham. He's looking out at those that should be righteous but are unrighteous. And yet here we are looking out at our own nation, a broken nation, a, 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 a nation uh, full of violence and strife and contention and iniquity and sin. And I'm tired. We, I'm sorry. We just get tired of seeing it. I get tired of looking at it. You get tired of looking at it. And look what he says here in verse 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? How, you see this? And thou will not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. He's saying, God, where are you? That word cry there is not like he's weeping or sobbing. It's actually to cry aloud and to shout, God, where are you? Where are you in the condition? Where are you in our nation? Where are you with your people? How long, he says, how long shall I cry out and thou wilt not hear me? How long do I have to do this? How long am I going to cry unto thee of the violence and thou wilt not, thou wilt not save? He's, he's just exasperated at the condition of his nation. And look what he says here in verse 4. Therefore the law is slacked. That word slack there means to grow numb or to be feeble. He says the law is numb. The law is feeble. What is he saying? There's, uh, there's no point in even having a law, right? Why? Because if you're not going to enforce a law, a law is pointless and powerless unless it is enforced. He's saying the law is numb. The, 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 the law is feeble, right? The power of law is in its enforcement. It's kind of like having a watchdog to guard your property that has no teeth. I mean, listen, it can bark, it can scream, it can tell you, intruder, 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 you know, and it can yell at that person and he can even, uh, uh, you know, and it might run them off for a little while, right? But you're right, the, the, the barking may run off, but as soon as that person realizes, oh, wait a minute, there's no teeth in that bark. <laughs> Some dog didn't have a tooth in its head. It's going to walk right back on the property. That thing's going to scream at him, attack him, gum his arms to death, gum his legs to death, and he'll just go right. That is law. That is our law, a law that is not enforced. It's just a dog without teeth. A lot of noise, and, 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 and it can't accomplish anything. Habakkuk is here at Israel, and this is what he's saying. The law is a slack verse uh, for judgment never goes out. Look at this. Therefore, the law is slack and judgment doth never go forth. Why? There's that colon there. It's going to explain it. Why? For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Huh? The wicked compasseth about the righteous. The wicked are surrounding the righteous. Let me ask you, how many Christians are in Washington, D.C.? Three, Three and a half, maybe. How, how many Christians are in our local government? How many Christians are in our state government? How many Christians are on our, our city government? How many Christians are on our local school boards? We're surrounded, aren't we? 
We are, we are if, I mean, statistically, we are surrounded by the unrighteous. Hey, how do, how do books on lesbianism and transgenderism get into our books and uh, into our library at Nixa? Right? I know, it's recorded. But they're there. I think there we go. They can get a digital library card from their home in Nixa, and they can have access to every book in uh, digitally in in uh, the Brooklyn Public Library, which would include all of these books that were banned and more. You know what that's called? Wrong judgment. We're surrounded by it. We are surrounded by the, by the wicked. We are surrounded by wrong judgment. And Habakkuk is tired of seeing the wickedness. He's wondering where God is. The, he says the, the law has no teeth. The wicked are all over the place. And because of this, the fruit of it all is unrighteous and wrong judgment. Pretty discouraging, isn't it? I know, again, you can't tell whether I'm talking about Israel or talking about us. It just goes right in, it just weaves right together here. But, but I want you to show you something here with God's answer in verse 5. He said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and w- wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. And God in this dialogue is responding to Habakkuk's discouragement to his cry to his questions to his wondering and God says keep your eye on the heathen now who is he speaking about speaking of he's speaking of Israelites you know, you know the, the word here is uh, the Hebrew word is goya where you get a goyim which I think is you know the general term for a Gentile but he's not talking about Gentiles in Israel he's talking about Israelites He says, keep, God says, keep your eye on them. Un- look at, uh, keep, keep your, behold among the heathen, regard and wonder marvelously. He's saying, keep your eye on what's going to happen because you're going to be stunned. Be ready to be amazed. Yeah. Let me say it this way. Here's, here's another way to say this. Here's another admonition I should say out of this. Don't stick your head in the sand either. 
Can I tell you, there's no reason for us to stick our head in the sand and just act like nothing's wrong. This kind of Pollyannish type of uh, move of just uh, everything's wonderful and everything's great and I don't see anything wrong. I was at a uh, service one time at a local Bible college. Probably about almost 30 years ago. And... uh, and uh, one of the men that was uh, preaching, and it was a whole government. There's there's town people there, and all this and that. And he uh, he gave a, he gave out a very apt description of where we were as a nation 30 years ago, right? And right after he was done, one of the local, I don't know if he was a mayor or, or if he were, he was with the city of Springfield, got up and said, "Well, things aren't that bad." I saw the man who was preaching like this. <laughs> he was just, he was, he was sitting down, and, oh, he was just beside himself. Yes, it was that bad. No, we don't stick our head in the sand, right? No, we don't, we, this is exactly where, but God is telling uh, Habakkuk, just, just keep watching. Just keep watching, okay? There's going to be something that's going to go on that I'm going to do that is going to be absolutely amazing to you. Look at he says, I will do a work. God is going to respond. And he said it's going to be in his day. You see that? For I will work a work in your days. Take time to read all of that. You can. And then finally we see in verse 13 through chapter 2 and verse 1. Why are we waiting? Look at verse 12. This is Habakkuk speaking. Aren't thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. As far as I can tell, that word them is speaking of the Chaldeans. God has ordained them to carry out judgment. God has established them to carry out correction. And see, this is, I, I, I love Habakkuk's view of God here. This is very telling when we come to the end of the, end of the book of Habakkuk. He says, mine Holy One. He calls God mine Holy One. He says, Oh, mighty God. Look at verse 13, yeah, how he views God. He's of pure eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. Habakkuk has a right view of God. It's going to help him. Listen, it will help you if your view of God is right. If you get the holiness of God off, you'll have everything else off. You have to have a right view of the holiness of God. And if you notice, those that get so far off are really off in understanding His holiness. He's like just one of the guys that hangs out. He's just like, he just, I, just, I just hang with Big G. Oh, that stuff's out there, man. It's wicked. Look what he says in verse 13. Thou are pure eyes and behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. But look at his question here. Wherefore, he says, God, you're holy. God, you're mighty. You have established judgment. 
You you are going to you you have uh, you have established the Chaldeans for correction. You are pure eyes to behold evil. You can't not look upon sin. You can see everything going on. Then why wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he and makest men as the fishes of the sea as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice under their net and burn incense under their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? He says, God, why are you allowing this to go on? You are a holy God. Look what he says in verse one of chapter two. I will stand upon my watch and will set upon me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. <laughs> he says, I'm waiting, right? I'm waiting. Have you been there in life? Are you just waiting on God? Lord, I know this isn't something you really like. I'm, what are you going to do about it? I'm waiting. If you notice here in verse 1, it seems to me like Habakkuk understands that his concerns aren't altogether correct. Right? What is he doing, though? He's pouring his heart out to God. He's, he, he's genuinely distressed about where his nation is. He is genuinely concerned. He hates what he, what he has seen going on with those people that are the supposed apple of God's eye. The, the, those that, are, that he has called out unto himself. Those that he has put his love upon. Habakkuk hates where they are. But, but he's pouring his heart out to God. He's being real with God. But he, it seems to me that he knows his observations might be a little bit off. So he's waiting for God to speak. You see what he says? And what I shall answer when I am reproved. Have you ever wanted God to show up now? I like right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. You might be thinking that even tonight. Right now, God, I, I don't know where you're at here. I don't know what you're doing. You might, it, it might be a financial need. It may be uh, uh, battles of the flesh that seem like they're just encompassing you everywhere, everywhere you go. It could be just the stresses of the responsibilities that you're, you are facing at this stage of life. It could be health problems. It, it could be like in our text. It could be just the, the, just be the absolute, be absolutely being wo- worn out of the wickedness everywhere in our nation. And we're just sitting here wondering, God, where are you in all of this? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, Be real with God. If you're real with him, he can help you. He already knows your heart. If you'll notice... Throughout the scripture, here's Habakkuk. David was probably one of the greatest complainers in the Bible. (laughs) That guy complained. But he complained to God. And then God would adjust his thinking correctly. And then he would worship God and praise him. Don't be afraid of complaining. Don't be afraid of being real to God. He already knows. 
And what does God say here in verse 3? It's in my time. God answers him. Look at this. Verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth it. Verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. He says, I'm going to tarry until I'm done tarrying. And when I'm done tarrying, I won't tarry. <laughs> Follow that? Okay. It's a good reminder tonight that God is on his own schedule. He's never been late. No, don't let that pass. He has never been late. You might think so, but he hasn't been. So here's the condition we're at. Habakkuk's waiting. He's waiting on God. He's going to write some things through chapter 2, through chapter 3. A lot of woes are going out. <laughs> yep. And then in chapter 3, we see the prayer of heaven. What do you do while you wait? Verse 17, I think, is awesome. Look at chapter 3 and verse 17. This is how Habakkuk, how it's all summed up here by Habakkuk. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither the fruit tree shall be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Kind of sounds like it's over for Israel, huh? Kind of bleak, right? Nothing's blossoming, no fruit, right? No, the flocks aren't rowing. It's kind of a bad deal, isn't it? It's over. It's over. You know, I think anybody that has any ounce of patriotic blood flowing through their veins uh, has a hope that their country might get better. I'm sorry, friend. I don't see America getting better. Yeah. It sounds kind of interesting and a little bit funny and a little bit... Uh, So far, incredibly accurate. But I mean, I remember hearing Lester Olaf say the day that America lost its chance for revival was the day the television was invented. That sounds funny, but friend, we haven't seen it since. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm not going to say that at all. Yeah, but I don't know. We're in a tough spot, aren't we? I don't like it. Anybody like it? Anybody like to go back 50 years? 100 years? I wouldn't be alive, but... Yeah. Habakkuk's come to this condition, come to this realization here. It's over. Yeah. So what do you do when things don't get better? What do you do when you realize health isn't going to return? I think I told you before, my 
when my brother-in-law turned 40 20 years ago, my brother said, uh, so what's it like being 40? He said, well, I've realized I'll never play professional baseball. <laughs> Too late. It's past. Right? We come through stages of life. Well, you haven't. You come through stage. No, you haven't. You come through stages of life and you realize there's things that just aren't going to happen, right? We're just, we're just done. They're, they're not happening. Okay? I'm, I, I had high hopes that I'd be 6'1". It's not happening. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not happening. Hey, so, hey listen, sometimes, they're, they're, uh, listen, we come to the realization that health is not going to return. Responsibilities, certain responsibilities, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to go away. Finances may not return to what they used to be in the years before and like they once were. Uh, nations will never return to their previous glory. Sometimes we come to the realization that some things are just over and they can't go back to the way they were. It's not possible. Man, what a downer, huh? You're like, wow, thanks for the Wednesday night pick-me-up. It was great. So what does he do? Look at verse 18. Yet. I like that word. Yet. In spite of it. Yet. I will rejoice. Do you notice where his rejoicing is? In the Lord. I think we say things like this too often that they just become uh, somewhat cliched and they don't have the deepest meaning, but it's still true, truer than you realize. The circumstances around us can absolutely blow up and it changes nothing of our relationship with God. We can still rejoice in Him regardless, regardless. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, look at this, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Look what he goes on to proclaim in verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. In verse 18, look at it, I will rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord, he's showing who he is. The God of my salvation, what he has done. He's, he's rejoicing in. Uh, the Lord God is my strength. He's, he's noticing what he is and who he is. This is where the rejoicing comes in Habakkuk's life, regardless of the society, regardless of the nation, regardless of the condition of the, of the time that he is living. He realizes it's not coming back. But, yeah, I can rejoice in the Lord. That relationship, it may never get fixed, but I can rejoice in him. That financial situation may never get fixed, but I can rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Now, notice what he says here at the end. The Lord God is my strength, verse 19. And notice what, now God is going to do something here. He says, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. And he says here, this was to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. Would you notice something here? He says, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. You'll find this statement. He says, he will make me to walk upon my high places. You'll find this in two other places in the word of God. Second Samuel, I think around 22, something like that. And then over in Psalm 18. 
it's written by David. After that David had defeated all of his enemies, Saul is dead, he is on the throne. All of, the, all of the enemies from the family of Saul that rose up against David, that David had put down. After that place, David sat down and wrote the 18th Psalm. It, it's that same Psalm as in 2 Samuel 22. And in that Psalm in verse 34, David says, the, he says, And he will make my feet like hind's feet, and will make me to walk upon mine high places. So obviously Habakkuk took this from the psalm and he applied it to himself. Kind of like we do today with the Word of God, don't we? What is a hind? You see that? And he will make me, I'm sorry, he will make my feet like hind's feet. A hind is a female deer. A doe. I'm not going to sing the song. But it is a deer. And what's interesting about this doe is that she can place her back feet exactly, precisely where she had already just placed her front feet. When she goes up, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. They can, they can climb up the most steepest hillsides to get to, to places of safety. And when they, their front feet, they will, they will go with their front feet and their back feet. When they move forward, the back feet will go exactly where the front feet will. They say it's not an inch off. Those back feet will land exactly where the front feet just were. And so when she is in danger, watch this, she doesn't get off track. You ever watch a dog run crazy in the back legs? Sometimes they're going all over the place. They go to turn a corner and they're like, uh, you know, and it's just like... They're crazy. No, she doesn't do that. She never gets off track. She never gets off track. She can get up in that weird high, rough terrain and get away from danger. Like hinds feet. Habakkuk said that God would make his feet like hinds feet. The front feet are setting the course. And the back feet are following, and they'll never get off tra- off track. If watch, if the front feet are set rightly, you don't have to worry about the back feet. They're always going to follow where the front go. Now watch this. When you rejoice in God, in spite of the circumstances, He says here He makes our feet like hinds feet. We can get out of trouble. We can scale steep places to safety. And we won't get off track as long as our feet are going in the right direction. Now, if she's flat-footing it right to a lion, yeah, you got a problem. But they don't do that. They go up to where it's not accessible by their enemy. They can get up into places where the enemy can't get to. He that abideth under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91, right? He, she can get up into the places where the enemy cannot go and get up to safety. Habakkuk says, God makes my feet this way. Regardless of the circumstances of life, he makes me like 
this. So here's the question. How do your front feet stay right? Chapter 2. I skipped right over it. This little thing here in verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not right in him. Look at this. But the just shall live by his faith. His faith. If God has given you feet like Heinz feet to get up into places, get up close to him, how do you get to those places? How do you make sure your feet are right? You walk by faith. What do you mean walk by faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? What is faith? What is a faith life? What is living by faith? Just living according to what God said. That's faith. Just doing what he said, right? We have the word of God, right? We have all of that, amen? It's just living in obedience. It's just doing the next thing. See, watch, if you just walk, if you just live by faith, regardless of the circumstances, we go back to this over and over again, but regardless of the circumstances, if you just walk by faith, if you just walk and live in your faith that, that you are, that you have, listen, God will give you the strength. God will give you the feet like Heinz feet. And before you know it, you will be closer to him, right? than you were before, above the trouble, above the places where, where the enemy can get, in a place of safety. And you know what happens when you get into a place of safety? Rejoicing. Whew. You ever had to run away from a brother or sister that was about ready to beat you to a pulp? Right? And you could scurry up somewhere, and you got up somewhere you could hide, and you went, Whew. I mean, you had to come down. That was the bad problem. But you had to sleep eventually. Rejoicing. Habakkuk looked at the condition of his country, looked at the condition of his situation, wondered where God was. And the conclusion, the joy that he came to was, if I'll just keep doing the next thing, living by faith, walking by faith, before you know it, God gives me feet like Heinz feet. I've scaled up out of trouble. Is trouble still going on? Oh, yeah, it's still going on up there. But you know what? You're so close to God, right? There's just joy and rejoicing while the world's blowing up, right? You're just enjoying your time with the Lord. See, watch, when you don't know what to do, just keep doing what you do know to do. Just live by faith. It's that, it's, that, it's that walk of faith that keeps us the closest to God. You know what you find when you're close? Strength, security, joy, rejoicing. Feet like Heinz feet. Do you know in spite of what's going on all around us, in spite of what's going on in your personal life today, 
if you would just continue to walk by faith, just continue to be obedient where God has told you to be obedient, just continue to live the faith life, you'll find yourself rejoicing in God your strength. You'll find yourself close to Him. You'll find yourself living a joyful life. Where's our feet stepping tonight? What, where are we, where, where's the front legs going? Where are they going? Are they going up towards God? How do you get up towards God? Faith. Let's keep walking by faith. Right. Are they going there or are they going off where they shouldn't be? Where's your feet stepping? Your Father, would you just help us to walk by faith? Continue. Continue. The just shall live by his faith. And how simple it is if we just continue to do the next thing and to continue to walk by faith, continue to live a life of obedience, just obedience to thy voice. Before we know it, we find ourselves close to you. We find ourselves up in a place of safety and security. We find ourselves in a place of rejoicing. while everything carries on the way it is. Lord, we thank you for that tonight. Lord, would you speak to the hearts of your people? No doubt there may be some going through some deep waters that nobody even knows about. Nobody knows about it. But you do. I just pray you'd help them tonight just to continue to do the next thing. and trust you, and wait on you. Lord, would you help us to do that tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to take a moment right where you are. I don't have any instruments tonight, but you just spend a little time with the Lord. Where are your feet stepping tonight? Are you just doing the next thing? Are you walking by faith? Though you don't understand what on earth is going on around you and you wonder where God's at and why He hasn't showed up and why He's allowing things to be the way they are. If you just walk by faith... You'll find that joy, that peace, that strength, that safety in Him. stand tonight and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Ask Brother Davidson if you would close us in prayer tonight. Dear loving Heavenly 